Okay. So we are doing now Tuesday's portion of Chukas. But at this point in the storyline, the Jewish people are complaining to Moses saying that we don't have water. And this is at the very end of the 40 years in the desert when um, Miriam just passed away. Now, there were three blessings brought to the Jews in the desert. Water in the merit of Miriam, the clouds of glory in the merit of Aaron, and the man food in the merit of Moses. Really, they were all brought in the merit of Moses, but the clouds and the water have a special link to Aaron and to Miriam. But now that Miriam passed away, the water was gone and the two people needed water. So they are complaining, they are arguing that they need water. But now God spoke to Moses saying, Take the staff and gather together the assembly, you and Aaron, your brother. You shall speak to the rock before their eyes and it shall give its waters. So bring forth to them water from the rock and give drink to the assembly and their animals. Which Rashi explains the animals means that God has pity on the Israel's property, that he's also allowing the animals to drink from this miracle water. Now, when we mean water from a rock, and this goes back to four years before, again, in the merit of Miriam, also Moses, there was a traveling well in the desert. I mean, this is a desert. How did three million people have water in a desert? There was one rock, which God chose to be the vehicle of his miracle, that there was constantly water flowing from this rock and many, many, many miracles associated with rock and how it's divided into these various streams for all the tribes, etc. So now this rock had temporarily stopped giving water with the passing of Miriam. So God is saying to Moses, gather all the people together. Now you can go over to this rock, the miracle rock, and you're going to speak to the rock and it will again give water. Now, 40-some years before when God had first initiated this miracle with the rock, Moses had been told to strike the rock and then the water would come forth. Now Moses is told to speak to the rock and the water will come forth. Then Moses took the staff from before God as he commanded him. Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation for the rock and he said to them, Listen now, rebels, shall we bring forth water for you from this rock? So Rashi comments that this is one of the places where we see that a very a small place held something that obviously could have be contained there because here we have some three million people standing in front of one rock. So obviously this is a phenomena as we find in at least three other places where more than can possibly can fit are fitting in a smaller place. So this is obviously a miracle here. So Moses is saying, listen now, rebels, so you bring we bring forth water for you from this rock. So what's going on here? So Rashi gives here three explanations. The first one is that Moses and Aaron didn't know which is the rock because the rock went and settled among all the rocks. And the Jews were saying, like, Moses and Aaron are like, well, we don't know what to do. We don't know which is the rock. And the Jews are saying, what difference does it make? Just, I mean, <laughs> rocks don't have water in them. Obviously, this is a miracle. Just any rock can bring forth the water. So Moses is calling them rebels. Well, what do you mean I can just go speak to any rock and water will come forth? No, there's a specific rock which God shows, and from that rock, this water is going to come forth. 
That's the first explanation of Rashi. The second explanation sort of is instead of translating the word Moirim as rebels, he's translating it as fools. Um, third explanation is that he's translating it as Moirim. First explanation was rebels. Second one is fools. And the third one is teachers that they're trying to teach their teachers. Like you're, t- you're telling me that we can bring forth water from this rock that we were not commanded to? So here we have, to understand the storyline here, so here Moses and Aaron are told to speak to the rock and what will come forth. And Moses and Aaron don't know which rock to speak to. So they went, and actually they tried speaking to a rock, and the water came forth because it was a wrong rock. And then the verse says, this is a very significant verse, that Moses raised his arm and struck the rock with his staff twice. Abundant water came forth and the assembling their animals drank. So why is Moses striking this rock? God clearly said to speak to it. So Rashi says that by mistake, they were speaking to a different rock and no water came forth. And then they said, well, maybe we're misunderstanding what God said. God said to speak to the rock. But remember, 40 years earlier, when we initially began this miracle, it was we struck the rock. So maybe we need to strike it. So then they struck the rock. This time God made them strike the correct rock. And they hid it. And then the water came forth. Now, at this point, this is considered a tremendous transgression because God said, speak to it. Now, why is it such a transgression? Speak to it, hit it. I mean, it's God's making a miracle with the water, but the idea is if you had just spoken to it and the rock came forth, this would have been such a lesson to the Jewish people. Look how much you have to listen to me. This rock that's not getting any reward or not getting any punishment I just speak to it and water comes forth. How come you Jews aren't serving me better? Now, this explains deeper way of understanding this, that perhaps that's why Moses did this, meaning obviously Moses is not making mistakes here. He's the ultimate leader of the Jewish people. And everything he's doing, even this act, which is bringing him such a severe consequence, is coming out of his love for the Jews. And maybe perhaps his striking the rock instead of speaking to it was to remove from the Jews the allegation of, hey, we're not even as perfect as a rock. So this way we're sort of saying, well, the rock listened because I struck it. So I'm removing from the Jews what will be the complaint of how come a rock listens and the Jews don't listen. We're going to see the the suffering Moses took upon himself in order to help the Jews in this way. So God said to Moses and to Aaron, because you not believe in me to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation to the land that I have given them. God is saying, because of this, they're not going to go into Israel. Now, why otherwise would they have gone into Israel? Because at this time, 
this generation, meaning Moses and Aaron's generation, were it was decreed upon them not to enter the land of Israel because of their sin with the spies, when they did not believe in God and believe that they would get the land. So God said, fine, you won't. Only your children will. So therefore, because of this, it it's saying that they specifically would have gotten into Israel, that people should not think they were part of that sin. But here God is saying, but because of this, I can't let you in Israel. And I'm emphasizing, of course, that it's because of this I can't let you in Israel. So no one should think that it's because of the general sin of the spies, which was the sin of that generation, of that lack of belief in God. And just as that generation did against Israel, so to Moses and Aaron. No, God is saying it's not because of that. They obviously didn't sin at all with the spies. It's because of this issue with Iraq. So then one can question and say, wait, you know, this was considered so bad. I mean, it wasn't coming from a lack of belief in God. I mean, God said to, to speak to it, and they spoke to it, and they spoke to the wrong ones, and they struck it, and it was a mistake. I mean, if you want to look at it in the most simple version of the story, I mean, it was, a, it was actually a set-it-from-God mistake, obviously, because obviously God specifically made sure that the first rock that they spoke to was the wrong rock, and then they struck the right rock, and it was all a set-it-from-God. It wasn't a question of belief. It wasn't like Moses said, oh, I don't think water comes from rocks. I mean, that wasn't his issue. It wasn't that Moses said, well, I'm not going to listen to God. That wasn't his issue. It was a very, very, very slight mistake here, if you want to take it simply at that, it was a mistake, as versus how I explained that according to Hasidus, this was done deliberately to remove the allegation against the Jewish people. But on the level of, of, a, of a humanistic way of looking at it, it was a slight mistake. What was a big crime? Marashi says seemingly earlier when, there, when God said he was going to bring down meat, this was when another time when the Jews were complaining, and they said, they want meat, they want meat, they want meat. And God speaks to Moses about it. And Moses says, I can give all these people meat. Now, again, also there, Moses, there are many ways to understand Moses' words that he was saying it in defense of the Jewish people. But if you want to take the most literal meaning of it, it sounds like he's doubting the ability to feed these three million people meat. But if so, if that's what happened, if we want to take it on that most literal level, then Rashi's questioning and saying, wasn't that a lot worse than what he's doing here? I mean, here all he did was make an innocent mistake. There, if you want to look at it as a mistake, there it sounds like he's doubting God, if you want to look at it as doubting God. But Rashi said there it was, so to speak, a private matter between him and God. Well, God didn't punish him for this. But here, this was in front of three million people that God said, speak to the rock, and he hit the rock. And therefore, because of the lack of ability to sanctify God the way God would have been sanctified if Moses spoke and the water came forth and God's sanctification was a bit less because Moses hit the rock and so to speak the rock is being hit so the rock therefore gives in and gives forth water since the sanctification was less which of course as we're saying is Moses's point to remove the concept of how the rock so obeys God so to speak um, therefore he received this consequence over the hitting of the rock, but not over saying, can we really provide meat for these three million people? 
Rosh explains here, as I just said, that what was the, the, the consequence here? Why is God saying they're being punished? Because you didn't properly sanctify me. Because if you had spoken to the rock and it brought forth water, this would have been a great sanctity. They would have said, wow, here's this rock that doesn't speak, that doesn't hear, that doesn't get substance. That's not, in other words, it's not dependent on reward or needing reward. But it fulfills the will of God, so how much more so should we fulfill his word? And as I explained, according to Hasidus, that's why Moses struck the rock deliberately to remove this allegation of, wow, rocks listen a lot better than the Jews do. So therefore, you will not bring the congregation to the land that I've given them. And Rashi says this expression of therefore you will not bring them is an oath. And God took this oath right away, so to speak, that Moses shouldn't pray and, and remove, in other words, before Moses could turn to God and plead with him to change his mind, God's already taking an oath. So your prayers are not going to help. I already took an oath. I'm not changing my mind over this. Which, of course, was also a setup. And, of course, Moses understood this. So here's Moses, who's deliberately doing something. According to Hasidus, Moses is not a mess up. He's deliberately doing this to protect the Jewish people, that there could be no allegation against them. And look at the consequence. Huge consequence. He doesn't get into the land of Israel which also is part of God slash Moses' plot. Because since Moses is staying behind in the desert, this is really propelling God to bring Moses and thus his entire generation who stayed in the desert back to Israel. In other words, Moses' generation, the generation that left Egypt, they all were in the desert because they died through their sin with the spies. And their, their punishment was for all the men from ages 20 and up, to die in the desert. So Moses' generation was in the desert. And Moses here is being decreed upon him to stay in the desert with them to ultimately give his generation the merit that just as he will leave the desert with the redemption, with the Mashiach, with the Messiah, he will bring his generation with him. They will all go to Israel together. And the last verse here, these are the waters of strife where the children of Israel contended with God and he was sanctified through them. So these are the waters of strife. So Rashi says these are the waters, means these are the waters mentioned elsewhere. In other words, these are meaning something that like we know about. Something mentioned in the story that happened or existed in the past. So this just happened now. What are we talking about? Rashi says there's an earlier reference to this because these are the waters that the astrologers of Pharaoh saw about 120 years before when they saw that the Savior of Israel will be struck with water. That's why Pharaoh decreed that every boy born should be thrown into the Nile because his astrologers told him that this Savior would be struck by water. But this is what really, you know, they saw, but they didn't understand what they were seeing. These are the waters that struck the Savior of the Jews because these waters, Moses was punished and was not able to go into Israel. And these are the waters that God was sanctified with. What does it mean that God was sanctified with them? Because these are the waters that Moses and Aaron died through. And when God judges his holy ones, it creates tremendous sanctity. In other words, this is how the ones that are so close to God are treated. This is how he, he's so awesome because this is he's carrying out judgment against such holy ones like how much more so for everyone else. Now, when I was preparing this tonight, I was just 
the night of the third of Tammuz, of Gimel Tammuz, I was struck by the very obvious uh, lesson or parallelism that here in this Torah portion of Gimel Tammuz, we're discussing how the, the leader, the Rebbe of the Jewish people, sacrifices himself to protect the Jews, voluntarily, so to speak, stays with his people in the desert to ultimately bring his people with him back to the land of Israel. And to me it was a tremendous, obvious parallelism to the Rebbe who sacrifices so much for the Jewish people who obviously voluntarily agreed to undergo the challenge that we've been living with, that the Rebbe's accepted upon himself since the 3rd of Tammuz, 1994, that we don't see the Rebbe, and to be, be with us. Here he is with us, and obviously he's with us to give us the ability that he and us together will enter the land of Israel with the complete revelation of the Messiah of Mashiach now. I felt that as we read this Torah portion expressing the sacrifice of Moses, because out of his love to protect the Jews, I remove any allegations for them and be with them and bring them to Israel, so too, obviously this is reflecting the Rebbe and his love for us and his protection of us and everything he's doing that we, with him, are going to go very soon now into the land of Israel with the Mashiach.